You're listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, so weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed too by work. Today I'm talking with Kim about how it is being a small fish in a big pond and then a big fish in a small pond. Because we both have experienced this. So stay tuned for this really, really interesting discussion and what are the pros and cons of both. Kim Harkoil is a really, really great person. She has a lot of experience in the pharmaceutical industry and has had a really, really great career, as you will uh, listen to. In, in some minutes. So stay tuned for this podcast episode where you can learn from her story and my story and how it might help, might help you to make the next career move. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Kim and myself have both invested a lot of time into PSI. Kim is currently sitting on the board of directors. I used to sit on the board of directors. So just from this experience, you can tell it's a really great community. Head over to psiweb.org to learn more about what PSI can do for you and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. Today I'm talking with Kim. How are you doing, Kim? I'm very good today. Thank you, Alexander. How are you? Very, very good. And I'm really looking forward to this chat because there's a lot of similarities in Kim's and my career. And we'll talk a little bit about this today. So, but before we dive into this uh, can maybe can give a little bit of an intro your career up to now especially kind of up to the end of uh, your career at uh, GSK. So yeah my name's uh, Kim Hackle I've worked in the industry now for 15 years I started out in industry as a new graduate coming into GSK started out as a study statistician as you do and um moved my way up to project statistician roles and also kind of statistical leadership of a small therapeutic area with, within that. I've worked mainly in early phase clinical trials up to kind of proof of concept and some dose ranging studies. I really enjoyed that area because I feel there's a lot that statisticians can do in the, in the study design piece there. Worked on lots of different therapeutic areas, which gave me a lot of variety in, in what I was doing. Within GSK, I also spent two years, and I'll probably talk about this again in a bit, but I spent two years in the strategy and portfolio group. So as a statistical expert, but not within a clinical stats kind of role, I spent two years there. And then at the beginning of this year, I moved from that kind of farmer experience into a smaller CRO called Exploristics. And so a lot of what we'll probably be talking about today is that kind of transition from farmer to or big farmer 
to smaller CRO. But that's a kind of whirlwind tour of my 15 years experience working as a as a statistician. Yeah, and you know, I also worked 15 years at Lilly and then had two years at UCB and, and now I'm at Veramed, which is also a niche CRO specialized in statistics and programming like Exploristics is. And so in, in that regard, you know, things are so similar. Yeah, we, yeah. we both started in big organizations, uh, tens of thousands of people, and we were these, yeah, rather small fishes. And now we are in these um, much smaller companies, but they have a much more uh, influential role, much more kind of at the management level and much more kind of ability to drive things. So when you left GSK, you had lots of different options with your knowledge, both from a leadership perspective, from a strategy perspective, from an early phase perspective. I'm sure you could have gone all kinds of different things. You could have done kind of consultancy on your own. You could have probably gone to one of the other big pharma companies. You could have, you know, probably also gone to one of the really large CROs, kind of a full service CRO or, or things like this. But you went to a, like me, to, to a rather niche, smaller CRO. Why did you do this? Yeah, and I think, it's obviously good to look at all of your options. There's so many statisticians are so sought after at the moment. So it's a great position, yeah. I suppose, to be in that you can actually, I'm a great believer in choosing stuff that you enjoy. And mm -hmm. if you enjoy a job, you will do well at it. And having that kind of looking backwards, I suppose, in my career, what I've done over the, the first 15 years I very much thought about, well, what did I enjoy? What excited me about those roles? And kind of not quite what I didn't like, but there's always parts of a role that aren't as exciting, should we say. Yes, I'm there's always kinds of C, <laughs> expense report or whatever. <laughs> yes, I'm very much a kind of glass half full kind of girl, but there's obviously moments when I, you know, things I aren't so good. But for me, so, so I very much focus on what did I enjoy? What did I want to do in, in the future? And also what skills did I have that maybe I, I wasn't utilizing as much as I wanted to? And so at GSK, the, the bits that I was most excited about and interested in were the study design elements, really mm -hmm. trying, working with colleagues, working with um, non-statisticians to find out what's the problem, what is the problem we're trying to solve and how can statistics help in, in that study design to, to answer those questions. Making, it's almost going from that thing, it's almost that clarity from fuzziness that I enjoyed and then provide, you know, helping people, providing solutions that they can, you know, that will add value. And so that was one element that I very much wanted to make sure was in whatever role I was doing mm -hmm. next. Also, I'm, a, I'm a very much a people person. I enjoy working with people. So some, some sort of leadership role was something that I wanted to, to have. And I think for me, looking at lots of different companies, the thing that the Exploristics provide, they've got a really fantastic simulation software for clinical study designs. And I think when you're moving from a 
bigger company to a smaller company, it's always important to be aligned with the culture and the values of a company. Mm -hmm. But I think it's magnified when you go to a smaller company. It's even more important for you to be aligned with the culture and the values and what that company is trying to do. So for me, Exploristics had that culture. It had what, what it's trying to do with Keras Cloud and the simulation and supporting people in those you know, study design pieces aligned completely with the bits that I was excited with and the bits that I enjoyed in pharma. I think I had a preconception. Just, just a short oh, note, yeah. note uh, for those who are now really interested what the simulation tool is about, you can actually just scroll back in your podcast player and listen to the episode with, with Aiden Flynn, who's the CEO of uh, Exploristics, uh, where we talk about this uh, simulation tool so that can just talk about. Yeah, so, so just as a... <laughs> as an aside, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's great, Alexander. And what I was just going to say was, I think I had a preconception that if you worked for a CRO, you didn't get involved with making any of the decisions You know, mm -hmm. you, you just got a study given to you and it was already designed and you just had to kind of report it. And I'd say that that is completely not the case. And I think when you start getting under the cover of, and, and maybe this is where the, some of the niche CROs, and you might be about to say this, Alexander, maybe it's not true for all CROs, but I think for me, I really wanted to be able to have that impact, have that consultancy, have that advisory element rather than just the here's a protocol and can you perform the stats analysis that's already been decided upon and that bit doesn't interest me as as much yeah i think that's a good point you know if you think about it i always also thought that way that you know cro's are only there to implement studies As a statistician within pharma, I've read the protocol and uh, maybe even also the SAP and everything, you know, since all the programming and all the details is done by the CRO. But that is only one way you can work with the CRO. And maybe that was the same for you working within big pharma. You often have this kind of a relationship with the CRO, that the CRO is just there to implement. Yeah, and implement flawlessly. And there's no wrong thing about this. Yeah, so people, I know there's lots of people that just love that, that love kind of making things really straight, optimizing things. And doing you know, it efficiently. And, doing it yeah, efficiently yeah, and quality, kind of yeah. deliver the tables in high quality yeah. uh, gives a lot of satisfaction. And that's, that's great to have because we definitely need these people in, in the industry. But that's just part of the overall image. And so your role is much more kind of in this consultancy business. So when you think about kind of your work, how, how's the typical client interaction now going? Yeah, it's a, a great, great question. And so, so for me, quite often, I will go into a meeting with a potential new client and I will know their name and the company and kind of that more or less about it. So there's a case of within that meeting, I have to understand what, what the company is, is all about a little bit more because there's obviously what you see on the, 
on a website, but really there's, it's great to understand, you know, that next level beneath that. I need to understand what the client is wanting to consult on. What, what's their problem? Why are they needing some statistical support? And then also try to give them some help in that and making sure that I pull on examples that I either I've worked on in the past or that other people within Exploristics have worked on in the past to show them that I understand what they're saying. I understand the issue that here's, here's something I can help you, you with. And all of that needs to be done quite quickly on the fly in a meeting. And I appreciate that a lot of statisticians might not feel overly comfortable with, with doing some of those things because you don't get planning time or the thinking time. So it is very immediate, but it's great. It's really exhilarating in the sense that you kind of come out of these meetings and someone's walked in with a problem and you've been able to to support them and say, look, there is a way forward. And yes, we can help you with that. And here's a plan of how we can do it. And then it's a case of going away, you know, putting together a proposal of how we can actually put that into action and be able to support them. And I think that is exactly what you talked about earlier is the thing that you really <laughs> love yeah. from your early phase yeah. work, kind of having this kind of fuzziness and creating clarity from it and putting some kind of fuzzy medical clinical problem into some actionable next steps from a, a statistics and, and research methodology point of view. Yep, exactly. And I think there's within that framework where you're trying to have a, you know, you've got a half hour meeting with a potential client, it's really important to come across as authentic and, you know, give them some tangible examples that they can relate to, to say, yep, we have this experience, you know, build up the, the trust. And I think it's, you know, you need to come across and, and be knowledgeable about your area and be able to, to talk to the client. And, and actually, the person you're talking to might be a statistician. They might be very used to working with data, but in a different area. Or they might be, you know, a medic or some other, you know, discipline within the pharmaceutical industry. And, and the way you talk to different people will need to, mm. or different people need to be the level you were taught in a different yeah, way. Yeah. And again, you don't know necessarily at what level to pitch it until you start talking. So it's very, you have to be very adaptable and iterative in, in the way you, you approach the conversation. So it, it, I love it. I love talking to people and hearing the things. And, and actually, one of the things I've learned is by moving outside of the farmer into that consulting CRO world, I get to see and experience so much of that world outside of pharma, you know, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when you're working in a big pharma company, you are very inward looking, I mm -hmm. think. And quite rightly, you, you, you work on your project and that project is everything. And, you know, and it's important to network within a company. And that's kind of your number one networking piece. But when you're working for a smaller consultancy CRO actually you look need to look more out you obviously still look inward within you know networking within the company but that networking outside is more important and, and I don't know if you found that as well Alexander. Yes, yes so. absolutely you know the I think big companies have this tendency to be very internally focused and 
Uh, there's lots of companies, these big companies that have even these, you know, change cultural initiatives to, to have more external focus. Whereas in a, in a smaller company, you by design have a much bigger external focus because <laughs> there's not so much internal. <laughs> Just, yeah. So, and I think even more, if you're more at the, at the top level of a small company, one of your main areas of focus is, of course, externally. Yeah, it's, it's about uh, clients, it's about collaborations and all these kind of things. I also found it really interesting what you said about communication with these, uh, with these clients in these meetings. You need to become really, really good in your communication skills. And you need to be a really good listener so that you can adapt really, really fast and then build trust because that is the most important thing. At the end of the meeting, people on the other side of the table need to trust you that you can help them. They don't have this perception, nothing moves forward. And in a way, that's kind of the same within, within big pharma companies. If you have your initial meeting with, with, a, with a physician, with a biologist, with a health outcome scientist, whoever, at the end of the meeting, you need to build this trust. And... Of course, there maybe you can have a second and a third and a fourth meeting. Here it's a little bit more kind of on steroids. It's kind of, you, know, you need to really get it done much, much faster because otherwise this client is potentially gone. Well, you need to learn with the next one, probably. But that is so great. It also, I think, puts you much more outside of your comfort zone, isn't it? Completely. And, and actually, as you were saying that, one of the things is, you know, you can always improve your communication skills. No one is perfect at this. And there will yes. always be a situation that you will be in. However well you do, you'll think, I could have done that bit better. And, and I think what's really important is being self-critical, but not to the point that you dwell on things, because, <laughs> you know, it's you can always do better. There's always something that probably didn't go 100%. But let, let's be realistic here. Next time, you won't do that again, or you might do it in a different way. And it's all about that continued learning. And I think that's the same whether you're in, in pharma or, or a CRO, is the communication skills are super important, and they are always something you can improve upon. Yeah, you need to be humble enough to uh, acknowledge your mistakes and self-confidence enough yes. to still perform well. It's kind of this, you need to have both. Yeah, yep. and not uh, dwell on it if it, yeah. if it goes <laughs> perfectly, yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, the culture aspect. Yeah, you mentioned that earlier that this kind of difference in terms of culture from a big company and a small company and that this was one of the determinant factors for you to to join exploristics which you know in a sense is actually a really interesting thing that culture plays such a big role when i started in my in my career i would never ever have thought about the culture of the company maybe i would have thought about kind of the people that you know i'll, I'll work with but never ever about culture what kind of why, why is culture so important for you? And what is culture for you? <laughs> yeah, tricky, but great questions there. And so just before I delve in to answer that, it's not that 
I left GSK because the culture was bad. I would say the culture was amazing at GSK. So it's it's not that element. But I think when you're looking at moving and looking at new companies, you very quickly, either within the interview process or within just those informal discussions that you have with people, you pick up a sense of the company through the people you talk to and the, the culture and the approach to work, the coach approach to work-life balance and the, that element. So I would say if you are looking to, to move roles, talk to people who already work in the company because that's the best way to understand whether you think you would fit there because mm-hmm. from a culture standpoint. Your question around what culture is for me, that is tricky. Culture for me, I think there's, there's obviously a work-life balance culture. And I think everyone through COVID has, mm-hmm. that has been elevated to, to pe- in, in people's minds a lot more. I have three kids and my husband works full-time as well. And so we're both working full-time and have a young family. So for me, having the flexibility and the culture that comes with that, that it's okay to, to leave at three o'clock and then you know, work again in, in the evening, that flexibility mm-hmm. piece is, is important. The culture of continued learning is really important for me around making sure that, you know, as people in the company have the ability to grow and develop mm-hmm. in bits that, ex- coming back to what I first said, to, in areas that excite you, Explosics has a very innovative feel to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, part of developing the the Keras Cloud software and the other elements within the company. It's obviously consulting and and actually provides the reporting of studies as well, but it does have a very innovative feel in the way we approach the work. And I think that that kind of trying something out, exploring what works, you know, not not necessarily just doing what's been done before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've all been there where or oh, we're just there's a similar project, just do it that way. You know, ask it comes back to those asking questions and being allowed to ask questions and having that kind of approach to work is important to me as well. I think you touched on a couple of different points. So so one I think is really what is important for the company? Mm-hmm. Is it the people that are important for the company, or is it the clients, or is it the profit? Where's the focus? I think that speaks a lot about the company. And it's not so much for me about what's written in stainless steel on the front door, but what's actually done. Yeah, And Um, that comes back to what I was saying about talking to people who work for the company, because that's the best way to, you know, to understand what it would be like to work there and whether you would be a good fit from a culture standpoint. Yeah. And so, so priorities, I think, is one thing the, and, and how they are really kind of lived. The other thing is also kind of the, the trust level within the company, I think is really important. And you touched on it, said kind of, I can, you know, work the time that best suits me and just kind of know nine to five mentalities that, you know, you need to be there at that time and people just trust you that you get the job done and they measure you by your output and not by the time you spend on that. Completely agree, yeah. And and then the other thing that is also related to trust is asking these questions. 
Because for me, that has a lot to do with trust that you can be vulnerable. Yeah, you can actually say, I don't know that. Can you help me with this? And that's fine. You, I think if you, there's areas where every, everything that is seen as a weakness is di- directly exploited. And uh, people talk about, you know, your, behind your back or things like that. Yeah, and maybe talk bad about you. If they talk good about you behind your back, that's probably a good thing. But <laughs> uh, so, although it's still nice to know if people are saying good things about you. <laughs> yeah, but usually you find find out. <laughs> but but see, you know, see, it is this kind of trust level. I think is really really important for me from a cultural perspective. Priorities, trust. Set has a has a big big thing. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the other things around the kind of culture as well, which is is interesting, is that ability. And it comes in a little bit with the, the questions. Being able to say, "What if we do this?" and having a go. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine. You've you've had a go. And I think you know, not every our jobs are not set in stone. <laughs> I mean, no. and, and this this role that I'm doing within Exploristics and, and actually the role that I had at JSK before this one in the, in the strategy and portfolio group, both of them were new roles. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have a job description, but actually because they were new, I had the ability within certain bounds to kind of shape them. Mm-hmm. And so by having that intuitive kind of, asking questions and thinking about it you can you have the ability to shape a role a little bit more and that's what's excited me about both of those roles because I appreciate some people that would scare them that there isn't a set Mm -hmm. role there but for me it allows you to ask the questions and follow where you think you can add most value Mm -hmm. um, and prove yourself in that area. Yeah that was the same for me when when I switched to Veramed I wanted to have this entrepreneurial piece to yeah. it. Yeah, this kind of, I shape the department, my department, I shape my role. I want to kind of work on the things that I can do really well, have a really big impact on things, delegate the things that I'm not good at doing and not be forced by, you know, very strict job description. Yeah, but kind of grow with it, go go with opportunities that come. And as you said, sometimes, you know, you make a proposal and it doesn't work out, but having this flexibility to try out things and grow, that, that was one of the, the key reasons for me as well. And, and, and actually, you've made me th- think about another thing that I've been thinking about recently is a way that, you know, if you think about the, the start of your career, because you're you're new to everything, you therefore do a, a large variety of stuff and some of the bits like you say you might be better at versus others but as you move through your career you will naturally or hopefully naturally kind of come to you know hone in on what things you're good at and like you say delegate or stay away from the things that you're not might not be your skill set obviously there's opportunities to grow your skill set and expand as well but i think as you move through your roles 
should hopefully kind of come to the point where you're doing all of the things that you're really good at really well um, and sort of progressing in in that bit so yeah I think it's about expanding on your strengths and not invest an enormous time amount of time into your your limitations if these are kind of rate limited great limiting limitations that's a different thing yeah but working on your limitations you'll always maximum get average if you work on your strengths you can be become a really really great statistician the last part is you mentioned leadership how for you is leadership now different in in the small company because you are you know before and i don't know you probably can six, seven steps away from the CEO. No, you're just one step away from the CEO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. How is that different? Yeah, completely right. And actually, before this, I was working, I think it was six when I left that I was yeah. away. But yeah, it's, it's a fair few steps away from the CEO at GSK. But obviously, it's a massive company. And yes, you know, I now report to the CEO at Exploristics. And so what I think is... It's really interesting in a, because of the level that I've kind of come in at Exploristics, I'm on that senior leadership team. I would say it's, it's easier to be a leader because you're kind of already there. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean, though, you're a good leader because yeah. you're in that position. And so I think I would almost say now in some ways it's easier, but in other ways, there's a lot more responsibility. Mm-hmm. that comes with it. I did find sometimes within GSK, it was hard to lead because I didn't have that formal label or there's lots of people trying to lead and yeah. there was muddy waters and that kind of thing. Not saying I wasn't able to lead. And I think I you know, did some really great roles that enabled me to do that and expand my skills there. But it felt a little bit harder mm-hmm. and a bit more pressured. Whereas now, you know, I'll have an idea and say, why don't we try this? Yep, let's do it. And then it's, you're able to do it straight away. Um, you know, I've written, I've written some um, thought pieces, you know, some blogs. I've written an abstract for RSS conference recently. And I just wrote it. And then it's, it's sent, it's done, or it's reviewed, and then it's done. It all happens quicker. So in yep. some ways, it's easier to lead because it's easier just to get stuff done and make much, those much decisions. faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't have to go up the chain and get everything reviewed in the same way because there's not many people above you. It's different in that sense. Yeah, I completely agree. If I think about kind of driving changes in these big companies, it takes hard months, years. Yeah. And when I think about, you know, I'm a little bit more than half a year with, with this Veramed and what, what we all have, you know, changed. We've set up a complete kind of new department, hired already, you know, a lot of people into it, revamped lots on the, the homepage about it. There's so many changes. Within six months, this would have been kind of impossible within these bigger organizations because you would have needed to talk to so many people and there would be so, you know, for anything that is new and different, you never know who's really now responsible. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then there was be would be these silos kind of oh that silo and there's some so much kind of you know politicals that you don't even know about yeah because it's two or three layers above you yeah. and so it's really really hard very often or about budget so then there's your budget and there's another person's budget and there's a third person's budget and whenever you want to do something it affects multiple budgets it's nearly impossible to kind of resolve it whereas here well you just have a call with the cfo job done (laughs) and and things are so so faster and that is one of the things that i really love about it it gives me the opportunity to lead much faster yeah i i would completely agree with that and, and actually when you were asking about leadership the, the other bit is you know i'm not just a statistician um i can't say that word statistician and i think sometimes in it's really nice now that i have lots of other skills and that i can use outside of those kind of stats mm-hmm. skills and you get to see a lot more than just the stats that you mm-hmm. wouldn't have necessarily had the visibility to that business level decision-making you said about entrepreneurial stuff, that element that you wouldn't, in a bigger company, you wouldn't necessarily get to see unless you were, you know, senior vice president or probably even above that. So I think you're, you know, I'm learning lots about business. I, I think that yeah. I would not necessarily have had the opportunity to learn as well, Yeah. So, which is nice, you know. It's fascinating. It's really, really fascinating. Yeah. How you make investment decisions and these kind of things. And and what is your risk-taking approach? There's a lot of, lot of great things to learn. And and actually semi-related to that, there was was a talk by Hal Barron, who um, is chief medical officer at, at GSK, when he first started, I think back in 2018. And he had kind of a talk that he did on joining, looking backwards to join the dots in your career, because he was talking Mm -hmm. more generally around his career. And I won't be able to do the story justice, but I'll I'll have a go. But he was basically saying, you know, when you're making decisions about your next move on, you know, whatever your next role and and job might be, it's really hard to see looking forward where that might lead to. Yeah. But as long as you you do something that, that comes back to that interesting and something that excites you and something that's using your, your previous skills and it's that step forward. It doesn't necessarily matter. But actually, it's when you look backwards, you are able to join the dots and say, well, I did that role, which then I gained X, Y, and Z skills that and then enabled me to do the next role and so forward like that as you're looking backwards at the dots. And at the time, I, I remember thinking that's, that's really great. I like that idea, but I hadn't really experienced that yet. And actually then by, you know, I, I've got, I had my experience working as a clinical statistician at GSK. I then had the experience of working in the strategy and portfolio group, which gave me experience in working in an agile environment. It gave me 
experience working outside of clinical statistics, but still as a statistician, it gave me a lot of experience around working in that biz- more business corporate mm-hmm. kind of environment and also having to sell myself a little bit more yep. and thinking that bigger picture. And now the role that I'm doing within Exploristics, I can sit here and look back and say, all of that experience as a clinical statistician, I can now talk knowledge knowledgeably with clients and I really miss the science great to talk to people about that but then I've layered on that business exposure the agile the product development stuff all of the experience I got from strategy and portfolio group and you kind of put those two experiences together and that's really enabled me to kind of do the role that I'm doing now and hopefully be doing it well so I'm now in that position I can join the dots backwards a little bit That's awesome. There's also a really famous speech by Steve Jobs where he talks at a graduation ceremony and he talks about his experience and how he kind of did kind of lots of different things and including something like calligraphy at university. And that's why later the Mac had this kind of, you know, great uh, fonts. Yeah. And so he also talks about connecting the dots and I can completely relate to this. It's it's similar for me. Yeah. I I think with the with a podcast, with my leadership program, with building building teams within companies, having this experience also working within a company on a on a local, on a regional, on a global level, that all together helped me to kind of set up now this 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 job at Veramed and this department at Veramed. And it's so fun to kind of yeah put all these dots together into something new. Completely agree. Thanks so much, Kim. That was an awesome discussion. We talked a lot about how it is to change companies. What are the things that you are looking for? We talked about career progression. We talked about building on your strengths. Uh, doing what the things that you really love doing and that you expand on that. We talked about uh, culture and what that means quite a lot about leadership, entrepreneurial skills. Fascinating. I really uh, love this discussion. Is there one final piece that you would give to the listener to take away from your story? Oh, wow. I should have known you were going to ask me this, actually, because I know you <laughs> I ask always everyone ask. this. <laughs> Do you know what? It would be do what you enjoy, because if you enjoy what you're doing, it shines through and people will want to work with you and your work life. You know, you spend a lot of time at work. Let's make sure we enjoy what we're doing. And I've been very lucky that, you know, I've always enjoyed what I'm doing. And my movements have been not because I haven't enjoyed what I was doing. It's because something else looked more exciting. So, (laughs) um, yeah enjoy what you do and make sure that you know you spend the time doing that yeah and all the other things will then come pretty naturally yeah yeah completely agree thanks so much for this awesome discussion thanks alexander this show was created in association with psi thanks to rain and casey who help with the show in the background and thank you for listening reach your potential lead great science and serve patients just be an effective statistician.